It is certainly the case that as we've been blessed to assemble and to gather today, we're mindful that it is the first day of the week. It has been our privilege and our honor to come together to offer our worship and our service to the God of heaven. You may have already noticed, of course, that uh, the title of the lesson today will have to do with offering some tips, some guidelines, if you will, to help each of us in our ongoing effort to overcome temptation and to, in fact, thwart those particular matters that the devil will cast in your way and mine. I hope as we share some things from the Word of God that we will find those matters helpful and that we'll find them very practical. This opening slide is an introductory one that basically shares before us a few basic ideas to motivate us in light of this lesson that you and I will consider today. Temptation is a frequent topic in the Bible. The word itself occurs 73 times, and that's in the King James translation, but the whole idea, the concept, seemingly occurs almost in every chapter. We find that decisions that individuals make both today and in the long-distant past have often been motivated to bring about what was not pleasing unto God. Temptations were involved in those matters. You and I know quite well that as we face temptation, if we respond wrongly, our soul hangs in the balance. The eternity that you and I may face, and so how important it is to wisely choose and to overcome these temptations. Don't you find it encouraging to think about 2 Peter 2 verse 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. In other words, there is information. There are tools available that you and I can use to overwhelm, to overcome, and to not succumb to temptation. I wonder what they are. What are some things you and I can use and you and I can do? This next slide will begin those considerations like this. First of all, might we use some basic information just so that we understand what we mean by temptation and the particulars that go along with it. First of all, temptation is the allurement, the enticement to do what's evil. It is an encouragement to do what's wrong. Now that could well be to leave undone some good things that should be done or to carefully do what we shouldn't do. Either way, the enticement to do what's evil. James chapter 1 verse 13 begins our discussion by saying, Blessed is the man that we recognize in verses 12 and 13 described like this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. You see, God's not the one doing the tempting. He's not the one putting those situations in your way and mine. But then it says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. You see, the devil plays upon the lusts that are in your life, your consideration and mine. But the next point on that is this one. Who is then the one behind this temptation? If it isn't God... Doesn't the Bible remind us on many occasions it is of the devil? Do you recall in Matthew 4.1 as well as Luke 4.1, the devil is the one that tempted our Lord. It is he that's the one that tempts you and me as well. Putting those circumstances to play upon the lust and the thinking that is yours and mine to drive us in a direction to make those choices which are not pleasing unto God. At this point, though, how thankful and how comforting it is to know it can be overcome. 
it is not that we must succumb to it. Just a moment ago, Brother Colonel read from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Could I invite you to hear again the words that Paul shared with that Corinthian congregation? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Every kind of temptation that you face, and every kind that I face, it is not unique in the sense of principled appreciation. Others have faced it. Then it says this, but God is faithful. We can rest assured on the absolute guarantee and promise of God. He is faithful in light of this, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. First of all, that helps each of us recognize that we are individuals in light of this. There are those who are stronger than I and you, and there are those that are weaker than you and weaker than I. God knows every one of our circumstances. He will never, ever permit us to be faced with circumstances that provide temptations beyond that which we are capable of bearing. Now, may I say, that doesn't mean it'll be easy. And that doesn't guarantee that it'll be just a veritable, obvious matter. Because as we're about to learn today, it requires something on your part and mine. In James 4, verse 7, we are told, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. May I ask, what is involved in that resistance? Over the next few moments, let's see if we can at least use some matters in the Word of God to motivate us in light of noting what some things involved in that resistance might be. At this point, may I say that a gentleman in the, in the publication, Seek the Old Pass, had an article about something connected to this. And part of this was patterned in thinking after some of the things he, he chose to discuss. And some of these others are developments from, from, in fact, myself. But what about the next element, number two? Should we not be prepared to use the Word of God? What a tool to utilize in the matter of facing temptation. Look at some of these verses that consider and bring that very idea before us. First, in Ephesians 6, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Bible is a sword. In fact, we later learn in Hebrews 4, 12, it's a double-edged sword. It cuts going and coming. It is such that the strength connected to that is majestic and exceedingly great. In fact, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, to borrow the words of Psalm 119, verse 105. In Proverbs 6, verse 23, we again notice this statement. Thy commandment is a light. If you and I want then to have our pathway illumined in such a way that we not only can appreciate the reality of temptation, but overcome it, we'll need to be diligent students of the Word of God, mindful of its teaching, apprised of the tips it provides us. Because isn't it true in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If you and I then wish to overwhelm the occurrence of temptation, it will require a double dose of the word of God. Didn't Jesus provide us with a dramatic example of this in Matthew chapter 4? On those occasions when the tempter came before him and tempted him to engage in those activities which would have been sinful, 
Three times Jesus answered, It is written. Three times He said, Thus saith the Lord in essence. And three times He quoted out of the Old Testament Scriptures. And at that moment, you may remember that the devil packed in, in essence ran. It says the devil left him for a season. It should be a mindful thing to you and me to realize the utility of the Scriptures. This is a weapon that the devil cannot overwhelm. As you and I close that second point, isn't there a grand principle there then to encourage you and me? In the face of temptation, may we turn to the Word of God. Hebrews 5, verses 12 and following encourage us not to be unworthy and undiligent students of it. There was a time that they ought to have been teachers, but they weren't. They were still in need of someone sharing with them the milk of the Word rather than the meat. Thus, it does encourage you and me to become mature, to be those who can then use the Word of God in the situations that come your way and mine. What's a second practical point that we can use to overcome temptation? May I offer this recognition? When we do face temptation, and in the reality of it, it is always a choice if we give in to it. It is never going to be so strong that we can't help it. It's never going to be sufficiently placed before us that we have no other option. That verse we've already noted guarantees there is a way of temptation. Now, we may have to find it. And we might have to, in fact, devote some energy in light of the Word of God to seek out in the moment what that may be. But we're guaranteed that there is a way of escape. Sometimes those ways of escape can be challenging, but they exist. Look on that slide then, and may we each be encouraged in this way. Because of a verse like that one, any time and every time that I give in to temptation and thus commit sin... It was my choice. I didn't have to do it. The devil's not powerful enough to make me do it, despite what Flip Wilson once said. It was my choice every time. That should be something that's a comforting matter to all of us and to think what choice we have. One of the last things in that one would be this. Do you recall the choice Joseph made? We mentioned him in the Bible class this morning and so many matters of the providence of God connected to his life. But yet, wasn't it true that on that occasion when Potiphar's wife put that circumstance before him of sinful sexual activity, the text says that he left his clothes and ran. He left that coat of many colors, that particular coat that he had, the clothing that was his, it likely wasn't a coat of many colors, I confess. That was my mistake. But he left it behind. He fled the scene. You and I should have a sufficient hatred for sin and for what temptation might bring that we too could choose and would choose to flee. Number four, another practical point, not only the realization of the Word of God and the understanding that sin is a choice, but could I suggest that we, in a practical way, be ready? Simply be ready. And by that I mean this. Who is it that the devil has in his crosshairs? Let's face it, he's got the world already. 
It's the church he doesn't have. You and I are the church. If there's anybody on earth that's going to be tempted, it's you and me. It's those that are striving to live right. It's those who do give earnestness to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's those who appreciate the church as the New Testament reveals it. Among all people on earth, you and I are going to face it. I think that aids us to realize it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. If you and I keep that in mind, then each day we'll be watchful and alert and we can be prepared. I ask you to consider some of these matters on the slide for isn't it true? The things the devil throws at us are in one of three categories. That's it. It's not as if he has a toolbox of hundreds of things he can bring in our direction. It numbers but three. In 1 John 2, beginning in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's it. Everything that he brings to me and to you will fit in some category or combination of them. And so, lust of the flesh, might we be mindful of the propensities of the flesh, the tendencies of the flesh, and be on guard with regard to them moving in a direction that's not healthy and godly. The lust of the eyes. Might we be careful the information we feed into our brain that comes through our eyes. Visual stimulation can often be a matter of great temptation. Might we be mindful careful and recognize that the devil can use that avenue to make his way toward you and me and finally the pride of life the vain glories of life wanting pomp and prestige and power beyond what would be recognized and normal for a godly person to receive it certainly makes one remember if those are the only tools the devil has if you and I recognize them we should be ready for anything that he might bring in our direction. Near the bottom of that slide, if we anticipate those things, are not we then in position to be strong? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, Ephesians 6 verse 10. To close that slide, might we notice that Daniel was a master at this, wasn't he? In Daniel 1 verse 8, we read that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Question, was he ready? Had he made preparation to realize that though I'm in a distant land, in a place that doesn't worship and serve the Yahweh God of heaven, I'm going to be on guard for whatever matters might be inserted or at least turned in my direction, and I will purpose not to defile myself. You and I can do that too. And oh, what a strength of life it brings. What about number five? What's another practical tip in addition to being ready? What about this one? Doesn't it seem obvious? I know you and I have, in many cases, an interest in sports. Maybe you played sports or your children have played sports. If you want to be the best athlete you can be, you remove the stumbling blocks that might get in your way. You work out to become strong. You study the play so that when the actual game takes place, you'll know exactly what to do and when, given whatever the particular defense that the opponent puts before you. 
you remove stumbling blocks. You improve your diet. You live healthily. You work out. You do all that's needed to make yourself the best athlete for that case you can. What if we do that way in our Christian life? Anything that might pose a stumbling block to living in a way that's most godly, get rid of it. Set it aside. Doesn't the Bible encourage us in that way? Every one of us is going to be tempted. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. If we know then that each one of us will be in that provision, we then are admonished in Romans 13, 14 to make no provision for the flesh. Make none to fulfill the lust thereof. The Word of God has much to say about the removing of stumbling blocks. What does that mean? That means that if a person has a tendency, a weakness in light of a certain activity, then don't go where that activity is taking place if you can help it. Don't be around those that encourage that kind of activity if you can help it. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 18. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Better to have one hand in this life than to have two to be cast into hell. If your foot offends you, cut it off. Better to have only one foot in this life than to have two to be cast into hell. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Better to have one eye in this life than two to be cast into eternal fire. Now, those certainly emphasize the point that in this life, we too should have an interest in removing whatever those stumbling blocks in your life or mine may be. In this instance, each of us is a bit unique. What might be a temptation for you might not be much of a temptation for me. But what might be a temptation for me might not be very effective against you. But what that means is each of us, as we recognize ourselves and we examine our own weaknesses, we strive to not put ourselves in positions where those weaknesses could directly be emphasized. To remove stumbling blocks, may I say, doesn't that sound easy when you think of it that way? That's just one less avenue through which the devil could easily make inroads into your life or mine. What about number six? Choose wisely who you spend your time with. Now again, that sounds pretty simple. And probably your parents or grandparents or others may have said, choose wisely who your friends are. Because quite often you soon will adopt the practices of what those friends choose to do. 1 Corinthians 15.33 reads, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It is for certain that you hang around long enough, and though you once and initially may have resisted it and may well have had no interest in it, but after a while, it's pretty easy to soon not only tolerate it, but embrace it. You know, that's so easy for all of us, isn't it? That person who perhaps grew up in a place in which he or she was schooled and so strongly was resistant to evil. 
And in those middle school or high school years, friends are chosen who have a different way of thinking in life. And soon you find that though that child was once a characteristic reputation that was so highly prized, now some of the old same things are not true. They've begun to hang around with other kinds of behavior and maybe begun to do it themselves. We've each seen that happen. You and I realize the Bible warns us to choose wisely. On that slide, I ask you to notice this one. Isn't it true that those that we have the most love for, the way they look at things will soon have an impact on us? That's just how it is. For that reason, we have to be careful, choosing those friends very carefully. I listed you one example. Do you recall Amnon and Jonadab in 2 Samuel chapter 13? I know we remember Amnon, David's oldest son, but he had an inappropriate desire for his half-sister. He loved her, but she was his half-sister, but he wanted her. Well, guess who he got advice from? He didn't pick the priest. I mean, he didn't pick the other rather noble persons. He got advice from Jonadab. Now, Jonadab was his first cousin, I admit. But you remember what Jonadab said. You pretend to be sick. And you petition David, your dad, to let Tamar come and prepare you a meal. Well, we all know that's what he did. He followed the advice of this Jonadab. And, of course, he raped his half-sister in the process. But the point is, look who he chose as his friend. And look what his friend motivated to help him do. Wouldn't a kind friend have said, you shouldn't be thinking about stuff like that. She's your half-sister. You respect her and you honor her. But Jonadab didn't say that. Now, don't we know that example is certainly a very powerful one, but doesn't it remind us that those that we choose to have relationship with and those that are our friends, they could really have an impact on us. The wisest of those relationships thus is yet another tool. If we surround ourselves with those who are godly, the devil will have a harder time getting to us in terms of bringing temptations our way. Number seven, what's another practical tip? What about prayer? Let's develop that very briefly like this. Should you and I I not be an individual who prays to God in light of having wisdom to face temptation? I say it that way because of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Do you recall in that prayer that Jesus taught His apostles to pray, one of the statements in it, lead us not into temptation. It would be wise every day For you and I, perhaps early that morning, to pray to God, God, help me today to be wise. Help me to appreciate the presence of temptation and to have the wisdom to foresee it and to avoid it. To handle it wisely. To resist it in place. Jesus again said, lead us not into temptation. Now you and I know God's not going to lead us into it, but what the Lord meant by that statement And what the Greek text would encourage upon us is, help us have the vision, the insight, the wisdom, 
so that we can appreciate circumstances and not fall into temptation in light of them. Might you and I be given to prayer so that we will be able to overcome temptation. The next statement on that slide is taken from Luke 22, verse number 40. Do you remember what Jesus said to the three? Peter, James, and John, the Lord had taken them aside from the other apostles, and Jesus went a stone's throw away from them just shortly thereafter. But Jesus admonished the three to be given to prayer because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He urged them to be earnest and instant because temptation was all around them. May I say it's all around you and me as well. We too need to be earnest and we need to be given to prayer that God may help us and that we might see those avenues of escape that are promised to us. In James 5 verse 16, this promise is listed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we each then pray earnestly in light of the wisdom and insight to overcome temptation, God will grant us, He will move us in those directions. In Psalm 19, verse 14, the closing verse of that 19th Psalm, we notice there that even the psalmist made prayer in light of this very, the very matter you and I are now discussing. He prayed that, in fact, he would have the wisdom, that he would have the circumstance to not fall into presumptuous sin. With that, only one remains. Number eight, I mentioned Jesus Christ. I think these others have been a rather obvious set of things we could consider to help us to overcome temptation, but isn't it true that the very thought of Jesus can help us as well. I listed the following way. Jesus endured himself a great deal in order to go to the cross and to make it possible for you and me to be free from sin. He endured so much. And if he could do that for me, can I not, in fact, try to resist? Can I not exert effort to overcome can I have the fortitude to make preparation as we've discussed today? In 1 Peter 2.21, He bore our sins in His body on the tree. He didn't have any sins, but He carried mine, and He carried yours. We read furthermore in 1 Peter 3 verse 18 that He, as the godly, suffered for you and me, the ungodly. Oh, what a selfless thing He did. He was tempted in every way like you and I are, and yet he never sinned, Hebrews 4.15. He never succumbed to those temptations, regardless however many of them there were. Even if he was weary, even if he was tired, even if he was a bit forlorn due to the poor choices of his apostles, never did that cause him to sin. Sometimes you and I in weakness allow the choices of others to cause or at least motivate us to behave in a way that's not as good. Could I share with you the words of Hebrews 2 verse 18? This is a text we should frequently remember. As you and I face temptations, it reads like this. For in that he himself, that he being Jesus, hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. 
That word succor means to assist, to help. So because he was tempted and yet never succumbed to it, he is able to help us, to assist us who are tempted. He knows what we're going through. He's been there. He's done that. He can help us find that way of escape. In Psalm 46, verse number 1, Our God is a very present help in every time of need. Temptation is serious, isn't it? The Word of God would lead us for certain to appreciate that. But today, as we close this particular lesson, let's do so by noting we've just tried to list a few practical tips that the Word of God would share with us that we could overcome temptation. First of all, it can happen. We can overcome. We're promised there's a way of escape. It may well require some resistance and effort on our part, but the seven matters we listed were these. Rely on God's Word. It has the certain avenue of overcoming. In addition to that, recognize that if we succumb to that temptation, it is a choice on our part. We didn't have to do it. Prepare. Be ready. And in that preparation, remove stumbling blocks. Watch relationships and certainly choose wisely those that are our friends. Make good use of prayer and ever remember what Jesus did for us. Today, if we could perhaps recognize this is a great time of response. Maybe in this audience, there's someone that's never become a Christian. But today perhaps would be a fine day because you know that at this point in life, if you were to pass away, you would die and go to hell. You know that you're not right. You don't have to stay in that predicament. You don't have to remain there. Because Jesus hanged on a cross for you. He shed blood that you could be cleansed from sin. All of us can. If you would wish to become a Christian today, won't you believe in Jesus? Repent of your sins, confess His name, and be baptized. And what a joyous moment it is when the Lord adds you to His church. If you, though, have been a person known as a Christian at some point in life, but as of today, others that know you know that your life is not as it ought to be. You're guilty of doing a number of things in which you have fallen to temptation, and you're continuing to follow that way of life. Jesus wants better for you than that. He wants better for you than that choice and that way of life today. Could we not say that the Bible encourages you to repent of those sins and make confession of them? And if you will, we'd be honored to pray. That could happen in just a matter of minutes. Today, if we could be of some assistance, we want you to know the Lord's invitation is extended. This song of encouragement has been chosen. If we could help now, won't you come while we stand and while we sing?